The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Discover your geeky haven with Twink.com. We've been delivering you the best products and all things pop culture for more than 20 years. Enjoy a wide selection of officially licensed merch from your favorite fandoms. We carry top brands from Disney, Funko, Marvel, and DC, Star Wars, Harry Potter, and much more. Dive in with code WINGEEKS15 to save 15% off your first order at Twink.com. Welcome to another episode of Wookie Radio. It is the Smugglers 3, Ken, Derek, and myself, Mike. How are you guys doing? Not bad. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Watched a whole lot of um, Bad Batch over the last two weeks. I actually rewatched um, the first two episodes and watched episode three tonight. Yeah. Uh, well, I had the first order try to mess up my, uh, my system. Didn't work. So I'm going to say thank you, J7, for making sure everything stayed in line on, on my side. And you kept Derek and, and Ken uh, perfectly fine. Yeah, just so you know, I find your lack of faith disturbing. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So um, before we get into uh, the Bad Batch recapping it, uh, let's let's hit uh, a couple stories. Uh, you guys should have copies of them in, your sh- in the show doc. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, we're going to start off. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor update reveals... Inappropriate content. <gasps> the the thing is, I actually did you read through this article yet? No, <clears throat> not yet. There's not yet. <laughs> there's nothing in it that was inappropriate. It's the um I, I read through the article. So recapping just real quick, it's because um the game has a T rated T for teens, same as the original game. No. Okay. No. The inappropriate content in there is um a little bit of language. Um, which almost all was in the original game also. But other than that, it's just the regular, um, it's just, it's rated T because of language of violence. <laughs> yeah, according to according to the article, the words ass and bastard are heard in the game. Yeah. <gasps> no. Hey, we all saw Andor. That's nothing. That, that means... Those aren't swears. That, that means, based on what comicbook.com is saying, I should be going, the words and are heard in the game. Oh, come on. Mm-hmm. You hear ass and bastard on the radio. You hear it on TV. Yeah. Well, anymore on TV, especially depending on where you're at on um, in cable television, you can hear just about anything you want. 
Yeah, but you can you can hear ass and bastard on well, that's cable. You, you can hear yeah. ass and bastard on on network channels during prime time. So starting yeah, who cares? Really bad law firm. <laughs> Welcome to the law offices of ass and bastard. <laughs> the Empire got you on the run. Me? <laughs> oh, we have the start the start of a good commercial. We do. Um, yeah. I mean, the other thing that I can see giving it the uh, the T rating is the the violence as well. Yeah, which is fine. Yeah, it's but, a Star Wars game. Yeah, so it's yeah. It says um, just like the first game, there's some explicit language. Um, for example, the rating reveals that the word bastard is used in the game, and you see it covered the rest. You know, I mean, that's it. It doesn't even say it's for um, violence. Of course not. Because they won't. It's the first, yeah, reading, looking through the article, there's like four or five, there's five paragraphs, but the first two cover that. The rest of it just describes what the game is. It's all fluff. I know. It's a fluff piece. It, it's a non-story. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought it'd be fun for us to talk about and go, really? Yeah. <laughs> I get to swear on the podcast, though. So. You're <laughs> right. You. I got a better one. Oh, it's not here anymore. I thought I had one on my soundboard. I don't. I used to. <laughs> so, um... I'm telling you, this whole thing stinks like Dianoga poo. J7 has a point. Um, that was me, sorry. Uh, <laughs> from StarWars.com, five scenes that made a real impact, real big impact. Figure to cover these real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to go from the bottom up. Okay. Medi- I'm surprised there was actually some, um, there was at least one sequel trilogy scene in here. I know. I know. Uh, number five, meeting the Tuscans. From Mandalorian, Chapter 5, The Gunslinger. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If you've seen Mandalorian in enough of um, a book of Boba Fett, just them meeting the Tuscans originally, I don't know how much of an impact that really makes. It, it, Boba Fett was all about living with the with the Tuscans. I mean, right. I know this was before that. This yeah. was before that, but the fact that the Mandalorian knew, knew the Tuscan sign language and yeah. the fact that they created the sign language for the show um i thought that was pretty cool yeah so plus uh of course the the main tuscan is played by um troy coatser making him the first deaf man to ever well he was the first deaf man to ever win the academy award but i believe he's one of the first uh deaf actors in that that we know of in in modern star wars i could be wrong on that but like I said, he did help develop this Tuscan sign language used in the series and then later in the Book of Boba Fett. Uh, number four, speaking of the Book of Boba Fett, this is from Chapter 2, The Tribes of Tatooine. Return to Toshi Station. Toshi Station. I call on this. Why? This isn't a return to Toshi Station because according to um, actual Star Wars, well, we've seen in canon, no one ever went to Toshi Station. We never saw it. It was in deleted sure. scenes. It, it was, was not actually on screen. It was in the comics. Yeah, but that doesn't, they're not counting that, that on count. here. Yeah, I know. Like I said, I call foul. I mean, yeah, everybody understands what they're saying, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just like picking apart StarWars.com because sometimes then when they write these articles. Well, the fact that every just about everyone has seen the Toshi, Toshi Station scene that was cut. I mean, it's available, I believe, on YouTube. I mean, you can find it almost anywhere. I think it's actually on Disney Plus because they have some of the deleted scenes and stuff on there. It is. Yeah, that's why I recently I recently saw it on Disney Plus. Yeah. I didn't realize they had the deleted scenes there. Yeah, a lot of the movies have special features. I have to yeah. go back and double check. But I, I also want to say the deleted scenes were on the the Blu-ray as well. Yeah, 
So uh, if and, you uh, if you got the nine disc set, the, the, yeah, a couple of the uh, DVD releases had them also. Yeah. So I mean, I see their point, but I also yeah. see your point. It was never officially on screen, so how can it be re- a return to Toshi Station? It can be seen as a legend ah. because um, they, Luke talks about it. Yeah, that's about it. Tomato, want, tomato, yeah. whatever. I want to know if they still have power converters. I don't know. Well, when you have... I would imagine so. It's kind of hard to tell when you've got uh, Nikto Biker Gang taking over the place. Yeah. And apparently Fixer and Cammy are still there. Yeah. Well, they never left. And it's the Toxic true. Station deleted scene is on Disney+. Plus. Okay. Um, number three, losing our minds over Boar Gullet from Rogue One, Star Wars story. I love, I, I did kind of dig this scene. I still say that's what happened to the song Guerrera. Too much Boar Gullet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could be. Because you think when he's talking, at the right before his death, when he's talking that in that scene, he seems to, he's lost his mind. Oh, yeah. And he says in there that, um, unfortunately... And un- the unfortunate side effect is that one tends to lose one's mind. Yeah. Um, number two, a day in the life of Luke Skywalker, Jedi Hermit in Star Wars The Last Jedi, which I believe begins with Ray handing him the lightsaber. He looks at it and tosses it over his shoulder. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, the only, the only other thing I love except... What was that? Again, just like the Tashi's station thing the day in the life actually starts the next day true true yeah mm-hmm. well also this is the um this is the one where really for the universe of star wars it really didn't make a huge impact but for the world of star wars fandom the entire fandom lost their minds when they saw this scene yeah <laughs> the, the only other acceptable thing that could have happened is luke said there was a hand with that <laughs> which is what everyone else was wanting uh, he should have grabbed it with his robotic hand to start with and said, hey, wait, can I have the hand? I want to get this back. <laughs> uh, the number one. Go ahead, Derek, before I hit number one. So it has just occurred to me, of course, that since this this was the lightsaber that he lost at Bespin, mm-hmm. where's this green lightsaber? He doesn't carry it with him. He doesn't need to on the Octo. Yeah, but where is it? If I remember right? If I remember right, later on, can't you see it in his hut, sitting on a um, sitting on the ledge or something like that? I think so because he uses oh, it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're right because he he uses it on. Uh, oh, what when he's fighting Kylo? Yeah, yeah. On that doesn't matter though because that's just a portion of yeah. anyway. He's not actually there. Right. That is true. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Another technicality. <laughs> mm-hmm. Number one, Obi Wan powers it down the tractor beam. Yeah. Well, it's all certain point of view, Derek. Uh, hey, that's right. <laughs> this one is one that made a big impact because if Obi-Wan doesn't power down that tractor beam, there's a totally different movie for A New Hope. Yeah. Yeah. A lot shorter, too. <laughs> Let's get punched. Let's get away. Oh, wait. Tractor beam's still working. I guess we're not going anywhere. <laughs> cool. S- start. That old man. <laughs> that, that, that'd be like with Return of the Jedi. Start your attack approach on the Death Star. Shields are still up. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that also um, at that point we would have seen the Falcon starting to break down because you know, remember the, the Falcon doesn't start falling apart until Empire. True. So True. it's like they they wanted it to still look okay during a, a New Hope. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Empire, it was a flying junk pile that was falling apart the whole time. Yep. 
So, uh, he had a lot of hard living between the Empire or New Hope and Empire. Yeah. Well, you know, just just being on Hoth alone could have done some damage to it. Yeah. I've always thought it was the fact that um, Chewie never finished doing the repairs he was supposed to in the um, landing bay. If he'd actually not taken apart the parts that he was taking apart, they would have been fine. The fact that they had to take mm. off before he was done was the problems they were having. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. So, um, Bad Batch, we got three episodes we're going to talk about today. Uh, so, we're going to go around the holonets with our recaps. Uh, hey, J7. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but we got us an incoming signal. I'm sending it to your data pads now. Okay. I think you really weren't interrupting. We were ready for it. Give me a break, will ya? I'm still getting used to my programming. All right, all right, all right. Are you sure you got all of his ships put in the right order? Hey, don't look at me. You're the one that bought a droid off the clearance rack. Ah, that makes sense. Now I understand, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> hey, got a budget to keep on. <laughs> So uh, let's talk Bad Batch. Three episodes. The two episode premiere and then uh, the episode to, that came out today as where you're recording. Is it me or did the, um, before we get into the story stuff, did the um, production quality go up between season one and season two? Just like Clone Wars. Yeah, I kind of felt that too. It's just like Clone Wars. Yeah, they updated a lot. They obviously updated the models, but it looks like they put more money into this, into the actual production on this. The, um, mm-hmm. The actual texturing, yeah, was, that, all that stuff. It's the, it's the same MO mm-hmm. as, as Clone Wars season one. It's like every season just kept getting a little better, a little better, a little better. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Rebels. Rebels was the same way. First season was rough and then drastically improves every season after. The only one that didn't feel like that was Resistance. Yeah, we only got two seasons of that. Yeah. yeah. That was initially supposed to look like a kid's show. And it finished looking like a kid's show. They did improve, but it wasn't as noticeable because they were not aiming for the same audience. Right. So, uh, Ken, why don't you hit us up on the first episode of season two? Well, really, it's the first two. Because really, this was a True. premiere movie. It was a two, uh, one two hour part premiere Yeah, two-part episode. So, um, and then episode three went in a totally drastic different direction, which is cool. We'll get to that in a minute. But um, no, it starts awesome because you start off with major action. Bad Batch stealing something. And you notice we never find out what this crate is. It's just Sid sent him to get a crate from these crab people. Yeah. But we oh, do yeah. see yeah. that. Um, I didn't realize that. Yeah. We never find out what's in the crate. And actually, it's not even for Sid. It's for, um, oh, what was her name? Give me half a second. The, um, the new pirate that we're going to get, Wanda Sykes character. Half a second, and I will have it here because it was in this one story. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but um, it's the new character from Wanda Sykes that we're finding out. And um, it's for her, obviously, because when uh, they show up, she's like, "Okay, we'll take that to my ship." Yeah, she's obviously a friend of um, right, friend of Sid's, and they've been friends for a long time. Because Sid said she's the only person she actually, um, the only pirate she trusts. Feed Genoa, right? There it is. Yeah, I ju- I just got to that too. <laughs> but um, I'm wondering if we're not going to possibly see another pirate. I don't remember. Was um, was um, oh, what's his name? Um, our favorite pirate. Hondo? Yeah, was Hondo in the first season? I do not believe so. If they're bringing her into working in Sid, there's a chance we could see Hondo in this season, too. He is. I do not believe he is, but there is. um, um, There was another member of the crime syndicate. Oh, okay. The Twi'lek. Oh, okay. Well. Or not not Twi'lek. It's not Twi'lek. 
Roland Durand because he has his one horn get cut off. Ah, okay. He's a Devronian. Yes. Okay. But we uh, get to see now. The cool thing is when you're seeing this whole situation, you get to learn that um, Omega is growing up. Yep. She's actually studying the ships of the Empire because Tech has her uh, doing homework while she's fishing. <laughs> and then, <laughs> right. uh, but her skills with that uh, light bow are getting amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is that the same type of weapon as what um, uh, Chirrut is using in Rogue One? Is it the same type of light bow? I mean, it's a different model, obviously, but is are they both like the same weapon? I just, it just dawned on me when I was watching it here, and then I saw Rogue Maybe. One. Ago, I'm like, wait a minute. I think they're both using light bows. They may be. They may be. So it'd be a different model, but I think it's the same weapon. So, um, but they rescue everybody. They get back, and um, Sid says, hey, you know what? You guys want to get out of this and pay off all debts you've ever known? Well, I know where there's a big score. Of course. <laughs> and we find out we're going to Serrano, to uh, Dooku's palace. Yep. And his yeah. war chest. <laughs> Which, the way they they show, like, the one room, we've seen his palace before. Yeah. And never yeah, realized it. Because mm-hmm. that is where we see, um, when, when he's in his quote-unquote office, he's on his home planet as Castle. Yeah. I, I never put the two together. During Clone Wars, I just thought, oh, he was somewhere else. He wasn't on his home planet. No, we've definitely been inside the castle before because that the office that they find the lift in is the same office that we've seen him in. Right back in the yeah, I just like I said, I just yeah. never realized. I also that was find it very the home planet. Yeah, I also find it very interesting that there's been a lot of mention of Dooku in this so far mm-hmm. in these three episodes. Well, the first two actually revolve around him. Right. Well, it's his war right. chest. Yeah. He was, he was seen as the head of the Separatists. Not just seen. He was the president of the Separatist Alliance. Or no, did they call him president? Whatever it was, he was the leader of the Separatist Alliance. Right. Because Sidious t- technically wasn't in charge of any of it. Technically. Right. Just like always, he was pulling the strings from behind. But he was, also mentioned in the, in, he was also mentioned in the third episode as well. What was he do- What was he in the third I don't remember. Oh, no, remember because it was a separatist world. Yeah, yeah. and the go- the governor um, said Dooku was right. He saw the Republic turn, you know, becoming the Galactic Empire and all that. And well, this this is once again throwing shade towards the fact that um, if you look at the prequels in a certain point of view, the separatists were actually the good guys. Mm-hmm. Yes, Dooku really wasn't Sith. Yeah. Well, no, Dooku was Sith, but he decided to turn Sith. Well, yeah, yeah, he definitely went. Sith. Yeah, but again, he was Which, more. He why? was more. He was more good and caring for the empire or for the for the universe than the Jedi were. Yeah, because he was seeing the bigger picture. See, a lot of it is also. Um, it's weird to look at it this way, but um, in general, the Star Wars story we see it through the eyes of the Jedi. Yeah. So the Sith are automatically evil. Well, we're seeing. Right. Actually, we're seeing a lot of this through the eyes of of two droids. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying our view of history of the Star Wars universe is told by is the, Jedi. Rebel yep. the Jedi. Right. The Which made, uh, I also found it interesting in episode three. I know we haven't gotten there yet, but yeah. when, when the, the... The real good stuff. Yeah, but seeing seeing the clones against the you know battling battle droids again but this time it's kind of the the opposite the sides have turned mm-hmm. 
And how good was it to hear Matt Wood as a battle droids again? Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I had to squeeze just a little bit when I heard the first time I heard Roger Roger. <laughs> yeah, it's been so the the whole thing um, with the with the survivor of uh, of Dooku's regime. Yes, I thought that was a very interesting take. It's like we're yeah. gonna see more yeah. of them in the series. You can't you, could, you couldn't set all this up without it being a factor. Mm-hmm. And it just goes to further that. Um, Dooku wasn't to his people in the worlds that they were um, the separatist worlds in general. They weren't, they didn't see him as evil. Many of the people of these worlds actually believed in the separatist cause and did not want to be part of the, um, the original galactic Republic. And then obviously the empire. Right. Right. So Dooku was a hero for them. Star Wars works. It's like um, the farther the Lucas and everybody got into star Wars, it works a lot. It looks like a black and white story. Rebels versus empire. But if you get away from the rebellion and the empire itself, there's a lot of shades of gray in Star Wars. Oh, of course. And, oh, yeah. And as Obi-Wan said, it's all from a certain point of view, depending on where your point of reference comes from. The, the Dooku, like you were saying, from a certain point of view, depending on who you are and where you're at, looks like the hero of the story. Right. The Jedi look like villains, depending on who's telling the story. And here we know from watching it and stuff that they were basically just duped. They, they were totally... Um, used they thought they were doing something that they really didn't want to do for the right reasons not knowing that those right reasons were going to bring tyranny to the galaxy right that's why i think there's no there's no such thing as time travel in star wars because someone would have went back and fixed that true (laughs) but i i think one of the things i found interesting though with dooku is he's the one who had the forethought of going uh this is where it's heading mm-hmm. i can't i can't put the two i can't put two to two together yet but republic's bad but what's coming is just as bad yeah well we saw that in tales of the jedi where yeah. he was seeing certain things of the way the jedi was working that wait this doesn't feel right this isn't from his point of view as we said since star wars is always from the certain point of view that i keep making that point but um from his point of view the um the, the things the Jedi were doing wasn't right. Right. It's like we should be helping these people, not hurting them. True. Now, see, that's that's why, and I, I know you you're not that big uh, as excited about it, Ken. Or I wouldn't say that, but that's why I'm I'm very interested in in the acolyte and seeing from from the Sith oh, point of view. Yeah, I'm very excited for acolyte just because it's a totally new. A- area and stuff and just seeing it'll be interesting to see the what they do with the way they do the set yeah but i know you say i know you said you didn't you don't really like villain stories and everything but yeah well i don't like them making a villain look sympathetic make me feel like oh the villain maybe he shouldn't be a villain you know yeah but well, you know maybe I, the sith shouldn't be villain <laughs> but I, th- I think we're going to get a change i, I think it's going to be different though if if they do this from a certain point of view the right way the right. acolyte is gonna look like he was good he she is the the hero of the series that everything else around them is the negative yeah i agree yeah which is what i'm looking forward to seeing them do yeah but, th- but then again i have no problems either if, if they do it along the lines of the old show heroes yeah where 
you know, the villain there was still a major key part of the show. And the show was about right. him and, and, uh, but that one, they actually the made father, it, it was them stopping him. Right. But maybe that's what's going on. Right. But it was still a lot of it was the take from the villain side. Yeah. And well, you're, you're looking at it like, okay, they handle it better than heroes. Did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, also, that's thing that heroes did that they did with that Siler character. That um, I liked because they didn't. I mean, they showed some of his backstory and stuff, but they didn't show you so much that all of a sudden you feel bad for this guy. And knows I know why he's a bad guy. He's not a bad guy because he's bad. He's a bad guy because of all these different things that happened to him. Right. No, they actually said right. no. He's a bad guy. That's just that's who he is. <laughs> I remember they showed some of it. There was some stuff in his backstory, but it wasn't enough to actually make you think that they feel sorry for him. Right. That's the one one of the very few things that I that I nitpick a little bit on Star Wars when it comes to Darth Vader. When you see his backstory, all of a sudden you kind of feel sorry for Vader, and for me, it takes away from him being a true like big mean evil villain. Yeah, I totally get your what you're saying there, uh, and in some ways, I definitely agree with you on that. Yeah, but it you know, took some away. But but we don't we don't get Vader truly until the right near the finale. Of Revenge of the Sith. That's what I'm saying, though. You see the fall of Anakin Skywalker, and you understand why. So by the time you get to Darth Vader, you're like, "Oh, dude, this sucks that this guy got to that this happened to this guy." Yeah, mm. but that's also that's also why I really that's the main thing I don't like about Phantom Menace is that I did not want to see Darth Vader as a kid. Mm-hmm. I think I think they went a little too young. Yeah, I agree. I didn't. I didn't mind showing him as a slave on Tatooine. No, yeah, but I I agree. They they may have got. I mean, I didn't mind Jake Lloyd as young Anakin. It's not. I mean, he did the best he could with the script he was given. Yeah, not no, his yeah, fault. I'm not saying that. Yeah, but well, also some I of the just didn't that, need to see. Yeah, a child that, Vader. That was almost too young. But the problem you get into with yeah. some of that oh, it though, definitely was. If he was much older, if he was like 14 or 15, the way he was establishing what the Jedi are and how they do their training, a 14 or 15-year-old, there is no, I don't care who it is, there's no way ever that the Jedi Order would take them in to train them at 14 or 15 years old. Uh, That's why I think 12, 13 would have been better. Still, that's, I mean, at nine or eight or nine, he was already too old, they were saying. And Obi-Wan skipped, um, jumped him past the youngling stage and everything else and went straight to being a Padawan. Oh, that was because of Qui-Gon. Exactly. So if you put him older, it would have made it a lot more difficult to tell the story Lucas was trying to tell. Possibly. Possibly. I mean, it's all if and maybes and all that anyway. So. It's, it's all semantics. Yeah. I mean, we see later on, obviously, Lucas trains the kids that are much older. I mean, did a lot. most of them, the ones we've seen don't do well with it, but... Because the only <laughs> Jedi we've seen, that that's actual Jedi that he trained was Dooku, or was um yeah Dooku, Kylo Ren and Rey, and Rey pretty much right. trained himself. Right. I get maybe that's why the Jedi don't take students that are older. They've said that because before. they know it's going to be bad. Well, you've they've already developed their personality on who they are, so then you're trying to take who they are and mold them to be a Jedi. If you take kids right. that are children. You can start before they even have a personality in molding them to be a Jedi. Huh. 
So the only thing they know in their entire life ever is the Jedi way. Right. That's they very don't learn anything. Interesting when you put it that way. Yeah. You don't unlearn anything. To basically, it, it, look at a certain point of view, they basically brainwash these kids from infant. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the Jedi Order is almost a, it's almost a cult. Oh, yeah. 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 Which is sad because we're looking at the, these are the good guys. <laughs> Once again, Star Wars works in weird ways. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very weird. Yeah. Which is part of why I love it so much. Mm-hmm. So, uh, episode two. Uh, get a little deeper. Well, episode two is where we meet the survivor on the planet, too. Right. But we it, all, it looks, mm. there's more than one survivor on the planet. This is just the only one they found. Well, he found them. Yeah. He was close enough to them, yes. But, but um, I was going to say, what we also see in this, too, where um, Omega is definitely getting a lot more um, ballsy. Yeah. Which, and, like I said, she's been training a lot since we've seen it last. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we saw in the first one, um, they show in the very beginning that Tech is, um, she's having to study all these ships. And when they're stuck on the one cargo ship, she she remembers because of what type of ship it is, how they could possibly get out of there. Right. So, but yeah, the um, she ends up going back to get because the the other bad batch members are like you know what we're not worried the cash isn't worth that much because they weren't they were technically on a mission but there was it wasn't like Sid had sold what they were get, going to get and then something's wrong no they just don't have the cash if they come back without it right right so this was almost a personal mission for them not a um, not an actual business mission. Well, and they're they're mm-hmm. also given that. Well, Omega's looking at it as you know, they want their freedom. This would give them their freedom. Mm-hmm. This is where her innocence is still playing in. To they know there's other ways of getting their freedom. She doesn't. Yeah. She sees this as this is their ultimate goal. They can get that ultimate goal. And a lot of that is her um, age and naivete. Yeah, because she's sitting there and hears um, Echo and. Uh, and Hunter talking about um, Hunter or record. Yeah. Ecker, yeah. Echo tells Hunter that, Hey, if we didn't have her, we could do a lot of he'd talking about, he could do all these other things and they'd be free. If it wasn't for now. And then when they walk away, she doesn't hear them both agree that no, the right idea was to take Omega with us. But in her opinion, Oh, they're being held back because she's here. So she, that's why in the second episode, she feels she has to do something to make herself part of the team and to, to prove her worth to the team. Right. But that's that's being a child still. Yeah. Well, and that, that's where I also say that's, <laughs> that's her already, innocence, too. She's well, already proven. She's already proven it. Yeah. And she just doesn't realize it. Right. Or, that, you know. Like I said, that's where her innocence is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, she literally is acting like a typical teen- teenager. I know that because I have one now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. So. Um. So yeah. 
But yeah, we see the survivor. She goes back. Um, and obviously causes all these problems. But the cool thing is also, if you go back and see the clone troopers that are on this, in this first episode, you see these are still the original clone troopers and original clone trooper armor. And they're still by the books because we get to see Vice Admiral. Is it Vice Admiral Rampart now? Yes. Okay. Do you see him at the very end? I didn't realize that was Rampart until I saw the second episode and they called him my name again. <laughs> or the third episode. Right. But, um, Rampart at the end, the um, clone commander for this whole. Now, remember, at the end of season one, uh, um, every, the Empire thinks Bad Batch died on Camino when they destroyed the city and destroyed Camino. They don't. Nobody in the Empire officially knows that the Bad Batch survived, as far as we know. So at the end of this, the clone commander for this that was on uh, Sereno recognized a couple of the Bad Batch members. So in his report, it actually mentions that, hey, these are Clone Force 99 guys. Right. And Rampart, at the end, is, still, is trying to cover his own backside. It says, um, well, I need you to change the report a little bit and remove... Bad Batch died. They're all dead. And to which the clones are still programmed troopers. Because he says straight up, I cannot falsify a report because that's programmed into him. That's pre-programmed. He can't change that. Right. And because of that, he gets eliminated. And Rampart says, okay, I'll just change it for you. Don't worry. Yeah. That, that was... Uh... He gets eliminated. That's one way to put it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, he took care of the problem. Okay. He certainly did. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, um, in the first three episodes, at least twice, you get someone who is just gunned down at point blank range on this children's show. Oh, yeah. Because in the yeah. episode, um, Crosshair does it. And it, and it's across there. You know, it still is programming. Well, that that's what we that's what we do on children's shows. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing that was killing me at one point was, um, I think it was episode two when Wrecker uh, grabbed the the cannon off of the tank. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got he's got a cannon from a tank. Shooting, you know, massive rounds and, and killing clones, and then um, everybody else is using stun stun settings on their guns. That's one thing I did notice. Yes, during the first two episodes, especially, was the clone true or the um, bad batch was using stun settings always the whole time, and the clone troopers were shooting. Yeah. Well, the, the, were shooting to kill. Well, the clone troopers don't know who who they have who they're up yeah. against. Whereas the right. bad batch, they don't want to hurt their their brothers. Brothers, yeah, right. Well, also, so, I, I don't think the um, the trooper, the empire, imperial troopers would matter either anyway. They would still because once again they're still working on the program. Yeah, yeah. But, but when you know their their ships are being shot down, they're not surviving. There's probably not surviving that, and yeah. <laughs> Well, the, so, you know, the 90, Clone Force 99, the Bad Batch is not intentionally killing other, you know what I mean? They're doing what they can to keep the body count down. Sure. If that makes them feel better, sure. 
So, and yeah, the first, basically the first two episodes were a matter of just let everybody know where we're at. Um, reestablish that the empire officially doesn't thinks they're dead. Right. And, um, what's going on in the galaxy as we're going into this second, second season. Right. That's when we get into episode three. You're basically, okay, there's one character left that we haven't uh, talked about. Let's see where Crosshair is. And because of us getting a Crosshair story by himself, we get to an old friend shows up. Indeed. Cody. And Commander Cody. And I did read, um, I read an article on StarWars.com with the producers for this and the writers, and I guess Rex is in this season somewhere too. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Because, well, well, especially with what happens at the end of this episode with Cody going AWOL. It's like, you know he's probably going to find Rex. Because he knows Rex is going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. So. Yep. But yep. we were talking about it a little bit earlier. We end up, um, the Empire has showed up at an old Separatist planet who still has not decided they wanted to rejoin the Empire. They want to stay independent, but that's not going to fly in the Emperor's Empire. According to the Emperor, he wants to he wants the entire galaxy to be under the sway of the Empire. Well, yeah, that's an empire. <laughs> so he should, so the governor and a and a squad of troopers show up and they meet some old enemies that we've not seen in a while in the form of battle droids. Old school clankers. Oh yeah. Well we saw we saw everything but the super battle droids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, just, I was just thinking droid that too. everything. Yes, we got to see my favorite, the droid takers. We, we saw the assassin droids. Mm-hmm. What my my mm-hmm. favorite um, taking out of a battle droid was the one where the um, they took out a B one battle droid. He kind of falls onto the um, with a sticky grenade on him. He falls onto the battle to Droidica and falls through, slowly melts through the shield. And as soon as he gets oh, shield, the bomb, yeah, yeah, from inside. Yeah, that was good. I, I like I like the whole which I may call shenanigans. I'm part of it. I don't know, but the whole thing where Crosshair takes out the tank, I liked it. I mean, I liked it, but I'm like, oh, yeah. really. Those blasts are getting really, are, are like super close and he's not doing anything. This is a sniper rifle. Right. And sniper rifle is a larger caliber rifle than a normal rifle usually. Well, that I'm not talking about. I'm talking about he's being shot at. Yeah. With the big cannon blast. And, and there, and he has no effects from the blast around him. He's able to keep, keep ground. Fine. Oh, that's his training is to sit he's there. crosshair. And- yeah. yeah, and yeah. you sit there and ignore everything else. Single, singular focus. Remember that the, the Bad Batch was designed to do this type of thing. Yeah, but I, I absolutely love the shot down the barrel. Mm-hmm. That was gore. That was but that was fun. They yeah. actually showed, um, if you were paying attention, how you actually take out droidicas, because they show them. They showed it before of the droidicas going down and stuff, but they never actually showed the technique of what it is. So if you watch when the droidicas show up. They realize the shields are up in every height. As soon as it dro- drops the shield, it starts rolling. Then they shoot it. Yes. Mm-hmm. You have to shoot mm-hmm. it while it's rolling because if you wait till it stops, you can't get through the shields. Right. 
but it's great how they actually specifically show. I think they did that on purpose and showed that that it was they you had to shoot them before they could stop and hit the um, shield up. Yeah, that was kind of. Have done that before. They did that in I the film. They, they specifically Clone Wars. They did it. Um, oh, I know. I've seen in the before. films too. They've done it in the I films. I know they actually well. pointed it out like that. Because this looked like they purposely pointed it out saying, hey, this is how you do it. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It, it has been purposely pointed out. Okay. The other one, the other really cool scene of this was obviously because they're going to give a crosshair all the cool scenes was the pucks on the wall. Yes. Oh, yeah. The trick shots. But if you have a guy who was genetically engineered to be a sniper, he's going to be able to do trick shots and stuff. Well, it. He he did that in season one. Yeah. Before he he switched to uh actually no. He did it in during season seven during the Bad Batch um story arc. Okay. But um but the stuff with Cody. When you first meet Cody, um now Rampart obviously um Crosshair was injured at the end of last season, and he's uh, so this shows that it's only a month or two since the end of last season. Because at the beginning of this episode, Crosshair is just being released from medical, right? To return to duty, and he's been sent to Commander Cody, and he didn't know who that was. They just said, "Report your uh, contact. Your guy will show up at the War Memorial," which is the first time we've seen that. But that, um, yeah, I don't read Arabic fluently. But you can see that wall and realize that that's probably the names of all the clone troopers they've lost. Yeah. I found it interesting, though. Cody, is his orange is gone. Well, you got to remember, it's Empire now. And the Empire is very much about black and white. Uh, getting rid of individual uh, individuality. Yeah. Well, I, I found it interesting. He still maintained his armor. Yeah, he he didn't have to switch switch out his armor. Well, they've not upgraded their armors yet. If you look, none of the the um the ones that have the newer armor, I think, are are stormtroopers. They're not actually clone troopers. Yeah, right. And they're like a blob first edition stormtrooper armor. The clone trooper armors look better. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, um, but I I also found it interesting too that um. You know, anyone who had armor of color, everything's now white with black accent. Mm-hmm. That's the difference between the Army of the Repu- Republic and the Empire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, but we do see in this that at the very beginning, Cody is actually testing um, Crosshair to just test the waters of where is he thinking. Because he mentions, have you heard about the troopers that are um, not sure if the Empire is doing things right? And questioning orders and things. And Crosshair comes right. back with the standard answer he's always had that they're traitors, just like the Jedi. Yeah. And I love how in computer-generated um, cartoons, you can still show the emotion because you can see Cody's eyes. And he's like, oh, man. He had hope mm-hmm. for Crosshair. Because he realized, and you can see in that first look that Cody is one of the guys having doubt about this. Yeah. 
I don't know why he would have hope for crosshairs. There's no. There's, well, because he's part of Clone Force ninety nine. Well, he probably doesn't know the old left. Right, but I don't think right. he. I don't think Cody knows what happened to the rest of the group. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I think he was thinking if anybody was going to harbor possible doubts about staying with the Empire, it would be one of those guys. Well, it was four of those guys. The fifth one um, decided to stay with the Empire. Just not that one. Yeah. Well, no, he was with them for a while. Didn't he get, if I remember, didn't he get zapped or something and reset his programming? It wasn't just an out of nowhere yeah, thing that he decided to, um, he was doing something right. I remember yes, something, something happened to him happened, that happened. caused him to um, change his thought. It's it's the whole there there was something with the Order sixty six. Command going out. Crosshair got it right away, mm-hmm. and it and it definitely shorted out his his actual or may altered his brain slightly. That even yeah, when like, they took the chip, even when he said, I don't have the chip anymore, and I'm still thinking like this. Because yeah, it, the programming was already there. There, wa- there was no change in thought of the programming, like we saw with Rex, or like we saw with Record. There was something that caused it to... Or no, they, he didn't have the chip removed. It's not until after it he got hit and it it scrambled the the chip. I like I said I don't remember. I'd have to go back and rewatch. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember. So much, it's not easy to go back and rewatch everything. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think you can be to that point where there's so much Star Wars, it's hard to do just a quick watch of Star Wars. Yeah. 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 So, um, but it, as we mentioned at the end or earlier, at the end, Cody goes AWOL. Yes. Why? Because he sees how the diplomatic relations is happening. Mm-hmm. And it's not what he's he's seeing the true empire. And yeah. it's not what he signed up for. Which is interesting because it's showing that chip or no chip, the clone troopers still have free will of some sort. Given right, enough right. time, they can override the chip on their own. Right. And technically, he didn't actually sign up for it. He was well, yeah. signed up for <laughs> He was bred for it. <laughs> right. Yeah, they were not given an option, Usually, most of them. So, so far, first three episodes down, how do we feel? This is I'm liking it. Yeah, this is the Star Wars that I've always loved. This is, um, it's interesting because um, they hired the right people to run this. It's the same team that was running the first season. But um, I was reading in there, Dave Filoni basically has given them some pointers and things, but that he doesn't have anything to do with this show mostly. Like, right. um, they said in the interview that I read that um, Filoni is the one that told him they should probably use, they should use Cody in this. And there's a couple other things that he's basically giving um, story like little things here and there. Right. 
he'd like he'll read through the script and say, "Hey, wait, make a little tweak here. Make a little." It's basically, I think, it's kind of the way I view in my head the way um, Lucas helped with Clone Wars because I guarantee you, George Lucas wasn't sitting there um, week to week and day to day going over scripts when they were writing them. But they would run stuff by him, and he'd say, "Well, here, why, why, why don't we do this?" There was a lot of characters that George taught, told them to toss in. Yeah, he didn't write the episodes, he didn't direct them or anything else. But he's like, "Hey, why don't you use this guy here?" They wouldn't do that. Do this instead. Stuff like that. That's basically what Dave's doing with this. Right. But that also said that we got to remember Dave Filoni's job is a lot bigger now than it was when he was running Clone Wars. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Since he's basically an executive vice president without the title of executive vice president. He's head <laughs> like of creative. Person above him, and that's um, Kathleen Kennedy at Lucasfilm. Yep. yep. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited for the series. I, I can't wait for this season. Uh, oh yeah. How it how it progresses. Mm-hmm. Um, for your end note with uh, revisiting Andor a little bit, we got the 20 rebellious Andor quotes, and I'm going to go from the bottom up on this. Uh, at number 20, fight the Empire, Marva Andor. Uh, uh, this is from there her. There was, uh, there was, there was an F bomb. This show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, You don't get much more rebellious than that. Yeah. In the afterlife, she just pretty much tells you to, you know, buck the system, take it down. Uh, 19 from Kino Loy. I can't swim. (laughs) That was, well, I don't see if that is rebellious. I see that as one of the most heartbreaking lines in the entire series. Yeah. Yes. Yes, definitely. Uh, 18 from Luthan Rawl. I burned my life to make a sunrise that I know I'll never see. Oh, yeah. That was a good line. That was a very good line. How he's willing to sacrifice himself and any, any chance of happiness for the good of the galaxy. Uh, 17, going back to Kino Loy. There's only one way out. <laughs> so, uh, 16. Stuff. I'd rather die trying to take them down than die giving them what they want from Cassian Andor. This That's kind of, a good line. And this kind of foreshadows his fate in Rogue One. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number 15, never more than 12. Uh, after repeatedly brushing off Cassian, mm-hmm. Kino Loy has realized the truth. Uh, he's kept his eyes shut, ears open as well, and Cassian needs his help to plan for the plan to be a success. Uh, I guess there's never more than 12 referring to guards at a time. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Number 14. You think they care what we say. Nobody's listening. Nobody. Basically saying, you know, they could do whatever they want vocally. The guards don't care because they're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, 13. Deidre Mero. The very worst thing you could do right now is bore me. I love that line. <laughs> that just know, showed how... A lot of these huh? That just showed how ruthless she was. Yeah. Mm. A lot of these don't come off as... They're just good one-liners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the title of this article could have been redone. Yeah. But it's all right. Some great quotes so far. Uh, number 12 from Serial Karn. Can can one ever be too aggressive in preserving order? Mm. Can we he talk? Was born, he was born and raised to be an Imperial. Can, can we talk yeah. about the, this fellow yeah. by the name of Darth Vader? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, number 11, which I love this line, too. Yeah. Uh, wait, I'm just a tourist, which at the time he was. <laughs> that's all. That's great because it's like all the stuff that Cassian does in this entire series. The time when he's not doing anything illegal, he just happens to be there is when they get him. Yeah. It's not even for doing the stuff he's done. It was just because he was in the jail. Right. Yeah. Um, number 10. That's just love. Nothing you can do about that. 
when Cassian tells Marva that he will always worry about her, she can't give him a teary-eyed smile. It's a feeling parents know all too well. Yeah. Sort of. Uh, number nine. I've learned from Palpatine. I'll show you the stone in my hand. You missed the knife at your throat on Mothma. That is a great way to look at everything that happened from um, Palpatine from the beginning all the way through. The, through the entire prequel. Yes. Yeah. He gave you a war to watch that so you didn't see what he was doing while he was in the Senate and the government. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Arvel Skeen. Oh, I'm a rebel. It's just me against everybody else. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's a good rebel. He's not a great member of the alliance. <laughs> True. Yeah. Uh, number seven. The pace of repression outstrips our ability to understand it. Karis Nemec, who doesn't survive. Spoiler. <laughs> Hello. Forty-eight hour rolls. Long gone. <laughs> Sorry. That does make sense because um, how was the empire able to oppress everybody so fast? It's because they did it so fast. Yeah. It happened so fast that even the news couldn't catch up to what they were doing. Yep. Right. Uh, number six, you might as well wear a sign that says, I promise to disappoint you. E.D. Karn, Sybil's <laughs> Serial's mom. She was great. I loved her. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great line. Everybody in the world has had a friend who has this mother. She's a Jewish it's, mother. Unfortunately, <laughs> some people have had this mother. She's a Jewish mother. Oh, lay the guilt trip. Oh, you'll never do anything right. You might as well wear a sign that says, I, I promise to disappoint you. It's either that or you could do no wrong type scenario. Type scenario. Yeah. Um, number five, must everything be boring and sad? Perrin Firtha, of course, Mon Mothma's <laughs> husband, who who's oblivious to things on his own. But then again, mm. it, he's got mm, gambling quite. debts, as we find out later. Well, he used to have gambling debts. It still does. He's still gambling. You she, know, if you look, she accuses him of it, but that we never see anywhere in there that it actually is doing it. No, she's remember she's talking about that to hide the fact that she's funneling the money. They're making it look yeah. like she's using it to pay off debts. That was the cover. And I believe he I believe when she accused him, I believe he said that he he doesn't gamble anymore. Yeah. And you can tell by the way he reacted to it that he was totally shocked because he's not been doing it. Yeah. This came out right. late because he's like, wait a minute, I've not done any of that stuff. I, where's what are you talking about? Right. Uh number four. That's what a reckoning sounds like. Marva Andor. Of course, that's what we see. It's the line that sticks out from the trailers as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and um, another one from the trailer. You just walk in like you belong. Cassian Andor. I've said that for years. That um, Little known secret to a lot of places. Like um, every once in a while, if you're really, really good, like getting backstage at shows and stuff sometimes, it just look like you're supposed to be there. I guarantee you, with most places that depending did. on the show, what it is and who the security is, you could actually walk right by them sometimes as long as you look like you're supposed to be there. I the stages I work at, uh, like when I'm at Amgard, I know who's supposed to be there and who isn't. Yeah. So if someone shows up back, it's like, uh, can I help you? Um, tell you what, please wait outside these doors. I'll go find someone and they'll come get you. Mm -hmm. You know, I try and be tactful about it, but it's my yeah. way of saying. You don't belong back here. You're not going any further. I'm as but you, hear stories, you hear stories about it all the time, especially with like larger concerts and stuff where there's like 100 people in the back and oh, yeah. 200 no, people. Yeah. Well, Gabriel Iglesias talks about how he met, how he he got through backstage to go meet Gris Rock. Mm -hmm. So everyone does it. Everyone tries to do yeah, it. Yeah, you can 
it actually can work. You just say, hey, as long as you don't look like you're um, a tourist, yeah. you walk right in. Yeah. Uh, number two, <laughs> corporate tactical forces are the Empire's first line of defense, and the best way to keep the blade sharp is to use it. Sergeant Mosk. Sounds just like a clone trooper. Yeah, but he's yeah. A, he's not a clone trooper. Well, the, this is one of the guys that would have flunked out of Stormtrooper because he's too zealous for a Stormtrooper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then number one, and he doesn't make the one. size requirements. And number one, I don't need any surprises, Cassie Nandor. That's my motto. And <laughs> in his line of work, you don't want surprises. No. So, uh, gentlemen, final thoughts. I actually have one this week. Have you Whoa. guys? Whoa. Whoa. I know. Have you been watching Willow? What? I have not. Uh, not yet. No. I, now that the whole now that the whole whole series is dropped, I, I plan on watching it. Well, this one's not the whole series has nothing to do with the story. The whole but first season. Yeah. We had yeah, the first season finished up today. It was awesome all the way through. There was the only thing that's weird is every episode finishes with a modern song, which is a little weird. Hmm. And the voice of the tr- the head troll is a little weird for the show. But that's uh, uh, but the hmm. seventh episode, which is the second last episode, actually brings an actor in that as far as I know and from the couple places I saw is the first actor to be in all three major Lucasfilm franchises at the moment. Uh, Star Wars, oh. Willow, and Indiana Jones. And that is Julian Glover. I was going to say Julian Glover, yeah. That yep. part I, that part I saw. Yeah, General Veers, he was, um, uh, what's his name, um, in The Last Crusade. He was uh, Donovan in The Last Crusade. And this, I didn't even know it was him until I saw the article because he's a really old fisherman type character named Zeb, I believe his name. Uh, it's yeah, Zeb, which he doesn't look like the Zeb I know, but hey, <laughs> but yeah, he was Julian Glover is actually in all three now. Oh, cool! But then he's also been in all kinds of geek franchises. There's a list here of um, let's see, uh, that's another different character they're talking about there, I believe. But yeah, that, it was it's just kind of cool to see. It's like wow, this yeah. guy likes to get around because he well he just got off of Game of Thrones. That's true. It's true. Oh, yep. all right. So, Derek, final thoughts? I can't compete with that, so I got nothing. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, folks. Any final orders before I shut the bar down? Yes. I, I was corrected because someone, um, the Kazan, um, their showrunner, Jonathan Kazan, came back. There is someone who has been in um, even more Lucasfilm and other things than that. Um, let's see. There is another, the incomparable uh, little Kieran Shaw at or at little Kieran Shaw, whoever that is, um, has been the first complete Lucasfilm triplet when he played the evil gargoyle in episode four of Willow. But um, Shaw also was in Raiders of the Lost Ark as a boo. Oh, the monkey. Wait, no. As a boo, um, he played an Ewok and oh, he was um, a little person. Okay. Yeah. He yeah, played yeah. a boo Raiders, uh, Ewok in Return of the Jedi, Tito in Force Awakens, Woolen uh, Musters in Rogue One, uh, Neepers uh, Panpick in um, The Last Jedi, Karj in Solo, a Star Wars story. He was also in Rise of Skywalker and Door. Um, in addition to wow. other film products, he's also been in Harry Potter, The Chronicles of Narnia. The Hobbit, Game of Thrones, and Doctor Who. This guy gets oh, around. Cool. <laughs> well, if there's no other final thoughts, I'm just going to say there's only one thing left to be said. Give the evacuation code signal. All right, cut the chatter. Jets, I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2. Oh, my God.